0: Lunch with Pippa Hudson and now Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola.
1: Wednesday is always my favorite day of the week on there, and that's because we give the full first hour over to talking consumer affairs with Wendy Nola, who's back with us from a studio in Durban today for the first time this year, which means I get to say Happy New Year to you, Wendy, and looking forward to another year of great uh, consumer conversations.
2: Thanks Peppa. Same to you Ditto, ditto let's Quite a do it. few. it Yeah,
1: let's do it And uh, boy, we've got a lot to start with this week Certainly a couple of really big consumer stories uh, Popping out of the woodwork And I know Wendy wants to mention a couple of those Before we dive into our main story Which is going to be about uh, A closer look at milk replacements And what is actually in the soya milk The almond milk The other products that you might be using As a dairy alternative uh, Just a reminder We will make some time for open line questions After 1.30 as well You can join the conversation by calling us on 21 sending an SMS to 31567, or leaving a voice note on 0725671567, And we start with a feast of consumer issues, Wendy. Hard to believe this time mm-hmm. last year we were talking uh, very serious health matters, weren't we?
2: Yeah, the listeriosis outbreak had just become very big news. Um, It had been confirmed as the biggest listeriosis outbreak in the world, and suddenly South Africans were waking up to the fact that this is a very real problem, affecting Mm. lots of South Africans from across the country, rich, poor, and everyone in between. So that was just kicking off. This week, our first uh, show of the year, the story making very big waves, which many of our listeners will know about, is that of Cape Town-based Shannon McLaughlin of Mm. Ubuntu Baba, who has written a widely shared blog accusing Woolworths of cribbing her baby carrier design along with its name. And as we speak, actually, she's meeting Woolworths people at her shop in Woodstock right now to discuss the
1: issues. So okay. That's a, it's a big uh, one because particularly, yeah, particularly important because it's not the first time we've heard this kind of accusation. No, there was the Hummingbird and Cushion and there was the Frankie's court case as Frankies
2: well. The Frankie's one I was very um, intimately involved with because it's a huge – Frankie's is a huge um, KZN brand. Of course. Midlands- yeah. based, Midlands-based company. So, I know, incidentally, that Shannon is going to be meeting the owner of Frankie's. That's <laughs> um, interesting, Mark Schmidt. Yes, I think it's a very interesting story for small business owners, and and and, and all of us as consumers as well to follow. We haven't heard from Woolworths; says that they, they don't. They haven't wanted to comment until they've met with Shannon. Um, and the timing's been a little unfortunate because now the story's going and. I've been loath to comment too much because it does go against the grain as a journalist to not have, have the both other side sides to yeah. go with. So that hopefully will be coming out now, um, if not by the end of the day, it should be, but uh, certainly tomorrow. Okay. And then overnight, Pippa, we've heard from furious parents who placed and paid for school stationery orders with Waltons online, some as far back as October, October, November, beginning of December, and didn't receive them and were making calls. Some were told of the, the, the boxes. I mean, yeah. uh, remember that the Waltons box would be delivered to them at home. Others were contacted and said, you must collect from the depot at um, Woodstock. Woodstock yeah. um, and some went... Um, Late December, early January, nothing, nothing. And so by yesterday, day before the start of the school year, there were a, quite a few parents gathered there. Some spent many hours waiting to hear where their boxes were, sharing their horror stories. And I was given the numbers of quite a few. I've spoken to two. Yeah. Um, really horrible stuff. The one woman was there for um, over three hours. She, They were told, we don't know, we don't know. Eventually, she took matters into her own hands, went into the manager's office at the back and found a box. Um, it turned out it had her number on but not her name, and oh, no one in weeks and weeks sake. had thought to, an admin to sort of try and match these nameless boxes with the numbers on them. So very, very massive um, service delivery fail there. Um, so we're going to – I did ask um, about an hour and a half before coming on air. I tried to get comment from Walton's left my details, but um, I've just checked now, nothing yet. So we will
1: um, deal with that story next week if anyone else who was affected please feel free to email us absolutely um, so uh, yeah in fairness we have to allow Waltons to give their side of the story and uh, this did break overnight so um, if you've also been affected and you want to give us uh, uh, your your version or add to the story just either drop an email to me on Pippa H at capetalk.co.za or send it directly to Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za and just put Cape Talk Walton stationery in the subject line because we'll definitely then bring you feedback on that one during next week's show and hopefully Hopefully also be able to reflect on some uh, some progress on the Woolworth story, too. OK, so that's going to come up next week. Let's get on to today's main topic, yes. uh, Wendy, and it's matters milky over to you.
2: Okay, so cow's milk may be the most complete and balanced source of protein, fat, and carbohydrates, according to the scientists. But dairy is also one of the most common allergens among babies and children. And many adults as well are lactose intolerant, lacking the enzyme that's needed to properly digest dairy products. Hence the rise of dairy substitutes. The main one, or the most popular one, being almond. Mm -hmm. um, And then rice and soy are the next two most popular Um, For many people, the switch from dairy milk to plant-based substitutes is not about an intolerance or an allergy, but a personal choice not to consume animal products, which is why those two things together, a growing number of restaurants and coffee bars actually offer the milk substitutes. Cow's milk substitutes um, For a quite a, a hefty extra of course Which patrons don't like But the fact is that these substitutes they cost, cost around more. Three times yeah. more than cow's milk So that's the reality um, Restaurant owners aren't going to absorb that extra cost But whatever your reason for choosing a dairy substitute is You do, do very well to read the labels really carefully
1: Before weighing up if the product is the right choice for you Okay, now that is a lesson that one of our listeners learned in a quite scary way not too long ago, and she's with us to share the experience with us. Her name is uh, Tracy. She's a medical doctor from Paul, in fact. And Dr. Tracy Garner, lovely to have you with us. Thanks for chatting to me today, and welcome to the show.
3: Hi, thank you for having me on the show.
1: Tracy. I know you bought an almond milk powder from a natural health foods company a couple of months ago. Was that because you have a personal preference for almond milk or was it because of a specific medical reason uh, for wanting a dairy alternative?
3: Well, um, we use a lot of dairy in our home and I have no issue with dairy, but my daughter is allergic to casein, which is a protein in um, cow's milk. And so I use almond milk for her. She's two.
1: She's two years old. Okay. Now, what yeah. happened after you started using this almond milk powder that you'd purchased?
3: Well, I, I purchased it. It's labeled as almond milk powder. i um, naturally lactose and foyer free. So I thought that seemed like a great alternative. To the boxed milk, which often has a lot of additives and is also very expensive. And um, on the evening of the third day that I was using it, she just became very ill, and she she presented like somebody with an acute abdomen. So to me, as a, as a doctor, um, I was concerned that she might have appendicitis yeah. or bowel obstruction. Um, but what had actually happened is, is that that milk actually contained cow's milk
1: protein. Wow. Can you describe for us, I mean, you, you described in, in your initial conversation with Wendy the the state that she was in when you said she say she had an acute bowel. She was in really severe pain, wasn't she?
3: She was extremely ill. She, um, I, I actually considered rushing her to hospital. I couldn't touch her. I, she wouldn't even let me put her, my hand on her tummy. Um, she was really in agony. She had cramps and severe constipation, which is unfortunately the the complication that she gets when she has casein or, or cow's milk protein.
1: Okay, now you did say initially you thought it might be something like an appendicitis. Uh, at what point did you make the link that maybe this is, is, is to do with uh, that new almond milk powder that she's been using?
3: Well, fortunately, my husband was around and he said to me, hang on a second, maybe we need to look at that package. Um, and I said, no way. I mean, that's almond milk powder. But when we read the package, um, sure enough, in the list of ingredients, which was quite long, there was casein and, and of course, that's milk protein. Sure, okay.
1: Now, the the big question I'm sure everyone wants to know, is Is your little girl okay? Uh, were you able yes. to get her through the incident, Tracy?
3: She's absolutely fine. Had I, had I not, had medical knowledge i would most certainly have taken her to emergencies it was quite a scary situation but once i realized what was going on and i knew what to do um you know within sort of two days she was okay thank goodness for um, that yeah. did, did you i
1: mean how how did you feel about the fact that you'd bought a product labeled as almond milk powder uh thinking it was an alternative to cow's milk only to find that there was in fact a cow's milk protein included in that product
3: Yeah, well, obviously angry. I mean, I think, as I said, as I I actually contacted the company the next day via Facebook and I said to them that it's misleading uh, marketing to market something as almond milk powder when actually it contains something like cow's milk. Um, Of course, it was on the list of ingredients in the back and I could have read that, but the, the label misled me to believe that there wouldn't be any cow's milk um, protein or any Cosmo products in that powder.
1: And how did the company respond to to your email?
3: They they responded um, on Facebook and in email. I must say that um, they responded in saying that they acknowledged that it was a problem and they committed to um, using a different because they use it as an emulsifier in the product, finding a different alternative. And I have noticed, I did go and have a look in you know in the shops a little bit later and they, I think they've changed their labeling but unfortunately if you look the product up on, um, on Take A Lot or something like that the label is still exactly the same so the, they haven't updated all their trials, and I, I think it is still misleading <laughs>
1: Okay, so there's a lesson there, obviously, for everybody to read the labels very, very carefully, Absolutely. specifically yeah. if there is a health reason for, for wanting the alternative product. And thank you so much for alerting us all to that. Have you managed for to sure. find some some sort of alternative, Tracy?
3: Well, I've, I've tried a couple of things. I've tried making my own almond milk. It does work. It's, it's just a little bit more work than I have time for. Yeah. Um, making rice milk is pretty easy, but I have actually found a wonderful product That I'm really happy with. Um, it is from a company called Butternuts and they have an an online site. So they've created a puree made from almonds, macadamias, and then the other ingredients are, I think, yeah, salt, dates, and vanilla. No other additives. And all you do is you mix it with water. You need a blender to do it and you get a beautiful, natural, healthy product.
1: Okay, and one which your daughter can obviously tolerate without the uh, the uh, side effects she had from that previous powder.
3: And you know, without all the additives, her tummy has never been better. So I'm, I'm very Excellent. happy with the product. Yeah. And is it affordable, Tracy? Yes, it is affordable. Um, a, a normal nut milk, depending on where you buy it, can cost you anything between, say, 37 and 48 rand per litre. And this product works out to 20 rand a litre gosh that's a big cost saving as well it tracy is.
1: thanks for the heads up on that one and most importantly it we're so good. glad your little girl is okay and thank you for uh, sharing that very important sure. uh, cautionary mm. tale with everybody great to have you with us
3: thank you and thank you for for having such an informative show thanks dr tracy
1: garner on the line there from Paul. So learned the very hard way wendy that it really pays to read the labels sure, to read the labels very I've been carefully you know
2: we should as consumers be doing it but when you're buying a product that's You know, almond milk powder, and it's it's saying lactose, no lactose, no whatever. There is an assumption that who would put a milk protein into a product like that? It just they should have been alerting on very huge letters if they couldn't find a non-dairy
1: emulsifier that should be
2: declared very very. Big and bold on the front of the pack
1: a, a WhatsApp just in from someone saying I'm vegan, I always check the allergen list First on any product uh, Did this label list it? So well, yes, the answer is, and Tracy concedes That, that there was um, information on the label uh, She just didn't on think the back to, the On pack. the back of the yeah. pack uh, But but uh, given the kind of product she was buying She hadn't thought it was necessary to check for that We now know better, courtesy of her Very scary experience, that you still need To be really careful in checking those labels Now, now listening into that conversation 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 with Tracy was another medical doctor, one whose voice you'll know very well because he's been a regular guest on the show in this segment. Dr. Harris Steinman uh, has a particular interest in consumer issues. He has a food testing and allergy lab. And Harris, welcome to uh, 2019 Consumer Talk. Lovely to have you with us again.
4: Thanks very much for for having me and uh, good luck for the year.
1: Thank you to you too. Now, you were listening to that interview with Tracy. Uh, Are you surprised by what she described? Is this actually quite common that there are in fact uh, products like casein being used in products which many consumers would assume are completely dairy-free?
4: Absolutely. I think the better brands actually are aware of uh, the risks. Uh, For example, the product she had labelled it as containing casein, but we've had experience some years ago of a rice milk that uh, caused a major reaction in a dietitian's daughter, Mm. and that contained, when we tested in our lab, we found it to have high levels of milk in, and it turned out that uh, some of these products try and thicken their consistency, and they buy what they regard as uh, imitation dairy, that this, uh, the imitation dairy was, in fact, made from casein, so it was not labeled on the label, and uh, the consumer had no idea at all that they were consuming a product that contained uh, an allergen
1: scary stuff uh, you said i mean brands have done this it, 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 was that unwittingly or um do you think it was a genuine error on their fact that as you said they thought they were buying a product that that they could safely label uh, as dairy free but in fact um there hadn't been full disclosure from from the supplier supplying them with that product
4: Uh, that's a difficult one to answer because we did confront the company to try and alert them to the problem and they defended their stance that once they processed casein it was no longer milk and therefore by their uh, assessment the the regulations called it imitation dairy we pointed out to them that that's not what the regulations say and whether this was a um, lack of knowledge or deliberately trying to defend the indefensible one cannot be sure the point is that uh, there are good manufacturers around and then there are people who might have inadequate knowledge and so it's important to always be alert if you do react to to one of these imitation mugs, to consider that maybe the label's not adequate.
1: That's a a pretty scary prospect that the label might not be adequate. Uh, uh, Wendy, I'm sure you've got a view on that. I mean, we're always harping on that it pays to read your labels very carefully before you try a product. But if you can't trust the label, that's uh, quite a scary prospect. Uh,
2: There's that aspect as as well. When the the manufacturer doesn't know what's actually in their um, products or doesn't realize... That that um, ingredient actually is derived from cow from The other thing for me is um, Up until about seven years ago Harris knows this more than I do Before the latest uh, food labelling regulations came into force um, The manufacturers didn't have to, as far as I'm aware um, Identify casein And now they do So I had cases going back to 2012 or so um, Where it, this casein was in the product But just not labelled But even if it's there, Harris, how many consumers do you reckon uh, know what casein
1: is? I'd never heard of it until today. Let me just put that out there straight away.
4: you're absolutely right, Wendy. Um, The law has changed in the last many years, driven by the Allergy Society, of which I am a representative of, on the Directorate Food Control drawing up laws where if you're putting casein away or anything that is derived from milk, that you have to label it as uh, being derived from milk. In other words, you say casein in brackets, milk, behind it. The problem is that a lot of companies might not have food technologists or so who know what these things mean. And I've had experience of walking into a factory and speaking to food technologists that did not appreciate that whey was derived from milk. That is not common. I need to (laughs) say that. Food Scientists are generally ahead of the game, and in the last ten years there 's been a lot of education so uh, so this should not happen, but the, the point is that sometimes errors creep in and accidents do happen. I think generally, our food laws are very good, and most companies comply with them, but errors do occur and, and the uh, consumer who found in is a very good example of it of where a recipe might change and people do not know it and they do not understand that there's now a significant change. Um, Wendy actually wrote recently on Kellogg's Rice Krispie product that uh, contained yes. very little, no ri- uh, uh, wheat protein in it, and now they've changed the formulation without uh, making That's it... That's a very, very good obvious. example,
2: Harris, mm. yes. Not putting it very boldly on the front of pack, yeah, um, so something uh, yeah. that you've
1: safely consumed just- for years beforehand, um, and and has changed without your realising it, could pose a significant health risk. Thank you, Wesley. Uh, we are back with consumer talk, and the conversation continues around uh, milk alternatives, uh, dairy uh, dairy milk alternatives, I should say. So almond milk, rice milk, soy milk, etc. couple of people asking us, please, to spell casein. It's C A S E I N. So case. Plus in is is casein that is the milk protein you need to be keeping your eyes out for uh, on the label if you are looking for a dairy free alternative. Nikki's WhatsApped us uh, interestingly to say I was shocked to discover that most packets of potato crisps contain uh, dairy. Uh, Harris, is that correct?
4: Uh, I won't say most, but many do. Really, in that case, it's used as a carrier. Casein is very interesting; it can be used for various uh, reasons it can be used as a po- protein supplement or a carry flavor because the flavor won't stick uh, properly onto the food so it, it pops up in very strange places uh, i've even seen it in t- tuna
1: my goodness wow. my goodness so that means if you do genuinely have a, a, a cow's milk allergy you need to be reading the labels on virtually everything by the sounds of things harris
4: Absolutely, and I think mm. that's a good lesson, is to constantly read the labels. Uh, most companies, or I should say all companies, uh, should be complying, and uh, if there's a recipe change, then you're alerted. Uh, this can happen when there's a shortage of, of, say, oils. They might change a sunflower oil to a soy oil or something like that. So mm. it's worth checking labels all the time.
1: Okay, very good advice. Now, right, the, the health risks of unintentionally eating a dairy product or the moral risk for somebody who chooses not to to, uh, to use animal products is one mm. thing. Let's have a little bit of a conversation about the actual nutritional value of these milk substitutes. Wendy, how, how, how okay. nutritionally dense are they?
2: I did a little bit of uh, Internet uh, research. And mm-hmm. the, a year ago, the Journal of Food Science and Technology published a study by scientists at the McGill University in Canada. You concluded that soy was the most comparable to cow's milk in terms of overall nutrient balance. It's uh, the highest in protein of all the alternative milk options studied, apparently. Okay. Um, But some, in the region of some people, in the region of 10 to 20% who are allergic to cow's milk don't tolerate soy milk either. And I know this because (laughs) I read it in one of Harris's newsletters. Harris?
4: Thank
5: you for the plug. <laughs> yeah, okay.
2: so that's quite high. Um, I, yep. I was surprised by that. And you call people who are allergic to cow's milk, what, KMTs, K- K- what do you call them? K- cow's milk? Uh, it's, used? Well, it's CMA
4: usually, CMA. cow Allerge- milk allergic. allergy. Okay. Yes. All
2: right, okay. Um, so perhaps I should ask you then, what is the difference, can you explain the difference between being allergic to cows milk and being intolerant to it
4: right uh, in essence we should think of all foods as a warehouse of different chemicals so milk has got proteins it's got carbs it's got fats it's got everything in and you can react to one or more of those elements now if you are reacting to the protein uh, the allergy size that's usually the immune system your immune system that for reasons we don't understand sees cow's milk protein as dangerous to itself, so it mounts a response to defend itself, and it over-responds. Over so it's the same applicable to all food you're allergic to. Basically, your body says, this is going to harm me. Let me defend myself by mounting a response, and it overdoes it. The intolerance, okay. on the other hand, is not to the protein, it's, but it's to the sugar, the lactose sugar okay. in the milk, and in that case your body uh well t- most uh white individuals uh, uh can tolerate they've got an enzyme for breaking down that sugar so most white people about uh, 15% can't break down that sugar and at that stage the sugar starts fermenting in the bowel and you start getting the symptoms of basically bloating passing wind uncomfortable pain uh contractions of your intestine, and so it's quite a different reaction. The latter, the intolerance is dose-dependent, so if you have a little bit you can tolerate, you won't notice. It's it's usually about a glass before you have symptoms. Whereas with allergens, very small amounts can cause major, major reactions. Mm. And, uh, And the difference, too, of course, is the allergy can occur within seconds of drinking, whereas intolerance generally takes a bit of time.
1: Thank Harris, uh, thanks for that explanation. You, you said most white people. What about everybody else? Is this something that is, is only uh, an issue in, in white populations?
4: Well, at about 85% of the black uh, black population can't tolerate it uh, to a less or the greater degree. And it's a very interesting uh, genetic it? imprint because what happens is when children are born – There is a very small amount that can't tolerate uh, lactose right from the beginning, but the majority can tolerate till about the age of five, and then the genetic imprint kicks in. So, black children can tolerate milk up to about five, and then they start losing partially or completely the ability to break down the sugar, and then the intolerance starts manifesting. This is after the age of five, whereas for most white children they will tolerate it into adulthood except for fifteen percent who can't hm
1: it's absolutely fascinating it's quite, so you
2: yep. i mean you think given our our demographic that um your your lactose free whatever products would have a far bigger sales volume than they do or am i am i just
4: you're absolutely about right. You, you know, most black individuals are aware of it, so they usually have the fermented milks, the Marsies and oh, such. Okay. But then uh, the dairy industry recognized this, and in the last 10 years or so, there's been the proliferation pl- of lactose-free milks, as well as recently I noticed Woolworths and others have started producing lactose-free yogurts as well. There is a reduction of lactose in yogurt because of the fermentation process but it's not free of where the lactose free ones are rendered to be lactose free
2: Okay, okay. (laughs) fascinating Um, We're doing a bit of a a we went a bit Side of a tangent there. there. We that were we were talking. Fault. No, that's fine. Yes, it's absolutely
1: f- fascinating hearing that that, that <laughs> breakdown of, of, of what it is, the, the difference think, between the two as well. Yeah,
2: I think our people use intolerance and aller- allergic as allergies as this interchangeably. I think a lot of people absolutely. are not understanding they're two very different um, chemical processes. There, one is you know the, the the milk sugar, and the other is the protein, which is the which is the allergy. Um, so getting back to that um, study done by the scientists. At McGill University in Canada, they said that um, they found that almond milk, which is by far the most popular dairy milk substitute, is actually low in protein and carbohydrates, making it less nutritionally balanced than cow or soy milk. But of course, it tastes nicer, so that's probably something to do with the, its popularity. As for rice milk, and I'm keen to get your input on this, Harris, they said sweet-tasting rice milk is the highest in kilojoules of all the dairy substitutes and relatively low in beneficial nutrients. The researchers actually went as far as to say consumption of rice milk as an alternative to cow's milk without proper care can result in malnutrition, especially in the case of, interests, of infants, sorry, young children. Is that something that you would go along with or that you've experienced in, in your practice, Harris?
4: Absolutely. You've touched on a very, very important point, and that's a lot of... Parents often are concerned about dairy and they replace it with other milks and they replace it by sexy milks. In other words, a good replacement would be soy, but they go for almond or rice milks or oat milks. And in fact, these milks proliferate in America as I saw last year. You even get uh, oat milk, uh, hemp milk, Uh, Mm -hmm. and it depends so much on the dilution. So if we have a look at rice milk, uh, if you had to have rice, rice is a fairly good a product with protein and carbs but if you actually uh, produce these milks almond milk is made with about two percent of almonds rice milk about 11 percent so if we just run across it to look at it the protein value of cow's milk will be about 7.7 rice milk available in south africa is less than 0.2 protein so sure. it's got practically no protein in it. almond is 1.5 that's compared to 7.7 if you have a look at the fat level in cow's milk it's almost 8 in rice milk it's 1 if you look at carb it's about 11 in cow's milk it's about 3 in rice milk so what you're doing is basically taking what you regard as a milk but it's nothing like a milk it should be called rice water or something (laughs) that's a far better description
1: a rice yeah. drink of some sort, rice, but not a milk. But they
2: okay. do call it milk. And there's if you go online, there's a lot of controversy about that. So in the case of the almond lo- milks I looked at, in inverted commas, um, compared to some of the ones overseas, which have a far higher almond content, as you said, Harris, we're looking at 2%, most of them. And the, the ingredients list then reveals that you know number one ingredient, obviously, is water, followed by calcium yeah. carbonate, which is chalk to most of us, stabilizers, yeah. and flavoring. Um at a price three times that of milk, with a far better um, nutrient profile, just your comments on that, um, Harris, in terms of you know the popularity of this milk. I mean, we're talking. I'm talking obviously uh, not so much those that can't tolerate dairy or allergic to it, uh, cow's milk, but you are choosing this as perhaps a health, a health for health reasons.
4: I, I think you're right on there, Wendy. You know, if you're choosing it for health reasons, you're looking for trouble. If you're choosing it simply because you want a different flavor or so, it's something else. Now, if you're taking an a, a good balanced diet, then this is... Inconsequential to a great degree because you're going to get your proteins and your other ingredients from other food. But if you're using it in children or in adults that are already having they on limited diets or they take they've got illnesses which require a different type of diet or balanced diet, it's at that stage that I go complete with what, the point you were making that this is a high risk, dangerous product because it simply doesn't adequately supply you with the other stuff that you need and some of these products are sweetened which means now you're getting Mm. an undefined uh, volume of sugar which might be reasonable i'm not saying sugar is bad for you i'm saying it depends on the quantity that you're Mm. taking in so for the average uh, person having a normal diet and you like almond flavored milk or rice flavored milk that's one thing to replace uh, it as a big substantial part of your diet in your cereal and your coffee and all your other food because you're avoiding uh, cow's milk then you might be deficient in protein carbs and other ingredients
1: harris i'm going to ask you this is also a slightly tangential question but three people have now asked me so let me put this question to you is it true that soya milk in particular is full of estrogen or in some way mimics estrogen and could interfere with women's hormones
4: Thanks, that's a very important question. This has been a story in the internet and going around for many, many years, forcing scientists to actually go and investigate uh, that claim. And in fact, it's not true. There are some estrogenic, so-called estrogenic uh, uh, components in Sway, but they are so minuscule and they are often degraded in the processing of it. So that as a risk, has been negated and proven to not be uh, a problem.
1: Thank you for that clarity. I'd I like to. Have actually asked yeah, no, it's so uh, a um, really important one. Thanks for that. Uh, I'd like to finish by asking what you would advise, given what we've just heard about, uh, high price tag for not necessarily nutrition, nutritionally comparative, um, uh, products. Uh, what would you advise, Harris, for somebody who is looking for an alternative to, to, to cow's milk in their diet, um, either because they're allergic or because they are by choice a vegan, for example, what would you advise them to use?
4: I think the first root of thumb is that these are people probably already got a deficiency in their diet in that they have to cut out whatever that allergen is, in this case milk, but it might be soy, it might be uh, wheat, etc. So I always recommend that they speak to a dietitian to ensure that what they're replacing is adequate to fulfill their daily requirements. If you can't afford to get to a dietitian or it's simply just milk and you're not taking a lot, then we sort of know in children it's um Uh, soy milk is a good replacement but about 20% as as, um, Wendy said can't tolerate soy because they're allergic to soy as well and then you start moving to the modified milks which have been uh, specially made for cow's milk allergic children now in most cases the big things that uh, cow's milk supply you uh, is protein and then uh, calcium etc and if you eating a regular mixed diet and you're an adult, you're probably getting it from somewhere else. If you're a child, you're not getting it from somewhere else and that's where a dietitian will recommend other foods that you need to supplement uh, your diet with.
1: Dr. Harris-Steinman, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for that. Uh, As always, interesting, comprehensive overview and uh, good wishes to you for the year ahead. Uh, Harris is a medical doctor with a food testing, and allergy lab and a particular interest in consumer issues, which is uh, why we bring him in so often. Uh, We've got Jonathan on the line from Weinberg wanting to make a comment, I think, that it's not only about health issues that people uh, choose uh, alternatives to dairy. Jonathan, good afternoon.
0: Hi, um, happy New Year to you all. Uh, I I think, in terms of a comprehensive viewpoint, a number of people choose non-milk alternatives because of a vegan or a vegetarian lifestyle. Because of increasing
4: evidence that is showing that our reliance on uh, the beef industry is having catastrophic impact on you know our health, but most importantly our environment and you know i don't think that any discussion about almond or rice milk um, or other non dairy um, you know um, foods you know it, it needs to also include the fact that none of these things are harming animals all of these things are a lot more positive for our climate and that's the only point I wanted to make.
1: Okay. Thank you, Jonathan. That is a fair point, provided they are disclosing on their labeling that what they contain is, in fact, only non-dairy products and not the horror story we heard at the start of the show, Wendy, of somebody buying a product she thought was dairy-free that actually wasn't, uh, which brings us kind of full circle. Jonathan, I appreciate your call. Thank you uh, for sharing that. A reminder, of course, that the choice is not only one made for health reasons, but often we made, say that right as we said at the start, uh, for, for mm. those choosing a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle. Fair point. Fair <laughs> point.
4: Consumer talk. Open line.
1: And with that we go to Johan who's been waiting so patiently on the line from Mitchell's plane with a question uh, or a complaint, I think, about Telcom. Good afternoon, Johan.
0: Hi, hi, Papa. Hi, Wendy. Um hi, Johan. I, I I just had a problem. Um,
4: I, I had a. I did a silly mistake by not having money in my um my, my account that um Telcom had to debit from. Mm-hmm. It was forty Rand uh, for um a sim only contract. And, um, w- when, when I checked my bill, I saw that they added 202 rand for, uh, uh, as, as a penalty for the 40 rand that was not in the, the, um, in my account. Now, uh, this is very, very strange to me. And it also, I think it's, it's wrong. It's, 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 it's really wrong. I mean, they cannot charge you, uh, you know, 202 rand. Is there any way that I can fight this?
2: That is extremely steep, and you probably would have had um, a fee to pay to your bank as well if you were overdue. As well,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um, I would love to ask uh, Telcom to substantiate that. I am, as the New Year kicked off, so the flood of, of Telcom complaints came, most of them around <laughs> that the issue we've covered a, com- a couple of times already uh, last year on the show, and that is um, people un- being unable to cancel. So they've, mm. they've submitted their cancellations in every way that Telkom prescribes, and yet the debiting still continues. So I've sent a couple off and haven't had a response yet from Telkom's media department, which isn't encouraging. But, um, yes, please do email me, Johan, so that I can ask them to sustain. 202 rand penalty on a 40 rand um, non-payment is yeah, <laughs> that seems extreme. Crazy. Yeah, no. that's crazy.
5: Yeah. I I your, what is your
2: right?
0: email address?
2: Uh, Okay, we must all well give it out now. Yeah, it's let's do cons- it. Cons- okay. Consumer at Nola, which is my surname K N O W
1: L E R consumer at nola.co.za And Johan, please just put in the subject line Cape Talk Telcom debit order. Wendy will keep her eye open for that and uh, see if she can follow up. Please just drop her a summary of uh, of your account details and what happened, etc. Because, Wendy, I think most people would acknowledge, fair enough, you might get hit with a penalty, but that level of penalty no, seems absolutely extreme. here.
2: the pro- proportion is ridiculous.
1: Johan, so, look, we'll yeah. keep an eye out for your email. Uh, please feel free to cc me as well, Pippa H at CapeTalk.co.za. Uh, just before we go to our next call, a WhatsApp going back to that labelling uh, issue. Wendy saying the labelling law is a joke. Many products have stabiliser listed as an ingredient that could be anything. It could be cornstarch. It could be gelatin. It makes me so angry. Uh, says that person. Can that still be done that that broadly? I-
2: no, um, as far as I'm aware, and I wish Harris was still on the line because mm. I write these things and then move on to the next topic. But I, I'm pretty sure that if the stabilizer is is animal based, they have to um, they have to declare that. I can't see how they could the the, the regulations would have. Um, Left that out I'm sure if it's animal based I have to say But that I, has I, to I stand be disclosed. under correction Perhaps if Harris is listening You can phone in
1: And, and just confirm and, um, that to Amy And we'll pass yes. it along Okay Yes Alright in the meantime Let's go back to the lines Anthea in Somerset West Good afternoon to you
5: Hi a Good afternoon to you um, I went to Bodacom In the village walk Main road Somerset West uh, With something uh, um, to fix On my laptop And they deleted all my emails Plus my personal files and when i got home i realized it and i went back and they said sorry they can't do anything about it it's oh just my gone. goodness so they said send me to vodacom in the somerset mall and heinrich they got some of the emails back and then they said they can't um, do anything about the personal files i must go to computer zone and they charged me a couple of hundred brands and i said sorry they can't do anything so I went back to Vodacom Heinrich, and he said, all right, he's going to do his best to get all my emails back. He got 32,000 emails back, retrieved it, but still and installed a very complicated system. Now, I'm a pensioner, and it's, uh, I can't work offline. I have to be online all the time. I don't know where to go mm. or what to do.
1: Gosh. I can't um, even. I'm sitting here I'm in noted. horror, Anthea, because I cannot I, imagine what yeah. chaos it would create if well, I had my whole email box I would I wouldn't box have a job if my yeah.
2: emails all disappeared. But um, I do know I'm a Vodacom customer myself, and I've spent a while upgrading and whatever else at those counters. And there's, there's a big sign at my local one that says, Please note that sometimes, unavoidably, that we lose this information, your files, um, and we take no responsibility for it. So that's at least some form of disclosure. It's an interesting one because the Consumer Protection Act does say that if a service provider fails to take proper care, if there's any form of negligence, then they are liable. But now, as a non-technical person, how do you go about proving
5: no, that that is what a they technical. did? No, these technical.
2: That's what I'm saying. As yeah. we as non-technical people, most of us, how do we go about pr- proving that they were negligent in what they did or whether it was an unavoidable part
1: of the process? Yeah. yeah. Oh,
2: unavoidable um, result of what they were asked to do. So it's a, it, I, hopefully. He- I mean, just with a question. Yeah. Say, yes. to,
1: to my mind, it, it would seem to me if they were responsible for l- deleting those and concede that they were, surely that the least they could do would be to refund Anthea for the cost she's been she's incurred trying oh, to get them restored.
2: What, well, they would say it was a, the cost is. Have you had any cost yet, Anthea, or,
5: or was it just. From um, a computer zone? They charged me, but they've got nothing to do with Vodacom. Yes, I know. No, so what did they, they charge it? you? A uh, 180 rand And they said Sorry They can't get The personal files back
2: Okay I would certainly Try um, To get that 180 rand Back from Vodacom And let us know How you go um, But these sort of Stories make you Never want to take Your your equipment In for anything so, Yeah I, It's and a huge in risk In terms and of And I suppose They would say Sorry If you if are warned suppose What you yeah. would do You would Then back it up Onto an external Hard drive To protect yourself um, so that's a that's good advice for most people. Yeah. Um, it's it's a difficult habit to get into, but uh, yeah, especially if you're going to take your computer in for
1: repair, it's, a, it's do a good backup before to, you to take do it a in. And, yeah, yes. So Anthea, so look, I'm hoping I'm hoping somebody listening might have a suggestion for you because it sounds like I mean Anthea's the still struggling files. with 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 how she interacts with those files going forward. If somebody who's listening understands the nature of the problem and has some advice for you, I hope they will phone us. Uh, Anthea, I'm going to put you back to my producer. If you can just leave your number with her. Should anybody phone in with some advice of, of that technical nature, we'll connect them with you and, and pass it on because neither Wendy nor I can, can offer you a technical solution <laughs> to, to the problem you've described. But no, I really hope we are able to, to give you some input. Just before we take our last call, interesting WhatsApp in from Helen who wanted to respond to Jonathan's call, uh, from Weinberg. Jonathan was the one saying, Hey, vegans are choosing these products, not only for health reasons, but because of the damage that cows inflict on, on the environment. Helen's responded saying, Jonathan is oversimplifying. She says, I don't eat meat myself, but we can't just assume that all these other milks have no environmental impact. Almond trees use vast amounts of water. They contributed to the recent Californian drought. I think we also need a Cape Talk program on the carbon and air mile cost of so-called health foods like coconuts that aren't grown locally. It's a great suggestion, Helen. It is an issue that's come up before when we were talking about Himalayan salt uh, (laughs) coming all the way from Pakistan, uh, for example. I think it is a subject we should look into. Thank you uh, for the that feedback. I think we've got time to very quickly squeeze in a call from Paul in Aranyaza. Good to have you with us, Paul. Good afternoon.
0: Hi. um, Just a quick one. Um, I have a rental property, and we have a modem there, and the people are allowed to use uh, 10 gigs of data every month. The people have been using a SIM card to gift data to their friends uh, to the extent of 3,500 rand. Um, We have specified to Telcom that we've got a 250 rand limit on the account. It's gone up by 500 rand, 1,000 rand, 2,000 rand over the last three months. Oof. Are we entitled to tell tel- Telcom to take a hike? Because we specified it's 250 rand.
2: You know, Paul, these these stories are defeat me. But you will find, as the all the cell phone network operators do, with any in the small print next to any um, limit you put on any of your services and the, the spend, they will say we won't, we're won't. We not responsible if it doesn't work. That's um, such a
0: cop-out. But
1: uh, a cop-out what's the point of offering a limit of if you can't enforce no,
2: it? No, I know, but I would still fight that, Paul. Well, um, what I'm going to
0: do is we've I've st- I've closed the bank account, so they can't access any of our money. They're going to need to take us to court to get the money. We are going to approach the ombudsman to get a ruling on that. And um, I'm not party. It's my partner who um, who has a contract. Mm. I can't even talk to Telecom because they won't they won't need his ID. They won't
2: recognise you. Yes. Yeah. So how are these but people
0: seeing things from us? You know, where's the security?
2: Please, um, I like that one a lot because it would apply to a lot of people who are, who are renting or whatever. If you you must first try and get. An answer, a response yourself. But um, if you get one, you'd, an answer you don't like or you don't get an answer at all, please email me as well
1: and I'll take it up with them. Okay, Paul, it is consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R. And for anybody else who wants to flag an issue with Wendy, consumer at nola.co.za. Please pop the words uh, CAPE talk in the subject line is just as well as a word or two describing the problem. And Wendy, uh, the first hour has flown by. We look forward to chatting yes. to you again next week. <laughs> Absolutely. I've already got two Waltons emails coming in. I'll pass those on to you after the show today and we'll bring you feedback on that one next week.